0: I'm not in the habit of telling university president what to do and what not to do, but uh, I have a couple of leadership positions that God in His providence has given me, and for many years I've been affiliated with a ministry called Neighborhood Bible Times, a youth evangelistic ministry. We train young men, send them across the country, and now in several foreign countries to do youth evangelistic meetings in local churches for children and for teens. Bible Time has been around for 60 years. And back in the ancient days, they had a Bible time evangelist named Marty Marriott. And I remember when Dr. Marriott became the president of Maranatha Baptist University, the man who then ran Neighborhood Bible Time, the founder of Neighborhood Bible Time, his name was Charles B. Holmesher. He got on the phone and he called a lot of his boys. He was very proud. He was very pleased that a former Bible time evangelist uh, had taken leadership here at Maranatha Baptist University. A couple of years ago, Larry Kuntz, the Executive Director of Neighborhood Bible Time and myself, we decided that we needed to have some kind of expression of appreciation for those who have invested in Bible Time and those who have represented Bible Time very well. And so we developed something that's actually very small in size, but to us it holds great significance. We've given this way only about 12 times, but because of your marvelous testimony and the fact that you represent in our eyes Neighborhood Bible Time, and we're very pleased and proud to have a former evangelist with such a fine testimony. It's my privilege to present to Dr. Marty Marriott the Charles B. Holmsher Memorial Presidential Challenge Coin with our thanks and our respect. God bless you, my brother. Thank you very much. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. I don't know what else Dr. Marriott knows about me that he's going to say in other services. It's a little disconcerting. But I thought this morning I would tell you just a little bit about myself. In fact, let's go back. I thought, because most of you are young, single, one of the wonderful things about college life is the opportunity to... uh, uh, to mix and to meet. Uh, I met my wife when I was in college, and thank the Lord for the opportunity. Uh, but I thought that I'd take a moment this morning and tell you a little bit about my high school sweetheart. Can I do that? Now, I don't happen to be married to my high school sweetheart, but I'm going to tell you about her anyway. <laughs> my high school sweetheart was not a brunette. My high school sweetheart was not a blonde. And no, my high school sweetheart was not a red, uh, redhead. My high school sweetheart was an electric blue Pontiac Le Mans. <laughs> I got that car my senior year in high school, and I doted on that thing. I loved that thing. I changed the oil in that thing. I maintained it. I washed and waxed it. I cleaned it. I loved, I loved my high school sweetheart, my Pontiac Le Mans. I say I love my Pontiac Le Mans. The truth of the matter is the car actually was co-owned by my brother and myself. And that kind of created problems. Now, it didn't bother me because my senior year in high school was my brother's freshman year in college, and he was out of state. So the car stayed with me. Too bad for him. Anyway, he came home at Christmas time, and I remember he was home for maybe an hour. He said, Dave, give me the keys to the car. Well, I had just not only washed and waxed the car, I had filled the car with gas and I said no and he said yes it's mine too give me the keys of the car I said no he said yes I said no he said yes my mother intervened and he got the keys of the car I'm not exaggerating that's a bad thing when a preacher has to tell you when he's telling the truth but I'm not exaggerating he was not gone for 30 minutes I heard the Pontiac pull back into the driveway and I looked out the window the grill was all crushed in the left Rear, uh, uh, a headlight was staring off to the side. There was a dent in the side panel, the dent in the hood. My brother had made an illegal U-turn and had hit the back end of a school bus. <laughs> I was not happy. Now at that time I had full coverage on my beautiful electric blue Pontiac Le Mans and when it went to the body shop I was actually kind of excited about the prospect because because in addition to having full insurance, I had also renter's insurance, which meant I got a loaner car while my car was being, prepared, being repaired. Hey, you know, maybe I'll get one of those nifty Pontiac Transams. That would be all right. Maybe one of the eight-cylinder jobs. I would like that. That's not what they gave me. They gave me, the insurance company gave me a certificate for a place called Rent-A-Wreck. So I went to this place, gave them the certificate, and they gave me the keys. Now, those of you who are automobile buffs, you'll appreciate this. They gave me the keys to a Plymouth Volare. Now, have you seen a Plymouth Volare at an automobile show, any of you? I don't see any hands. That's because none of them still exist. These cars rusted in the showroom. I I remember getting behind the wheel of this maroon Plymouth Volare and I was driving down the road and the car went off to the right, the car went off to the left, the car went off to the right. I didn't even have to move the wheel. It was an amazing car. (laughs) So I'm driving this Plymouth Volare, it's evening. I'm at the intersection, Brother Marriott will appreciate this, being from, at least for a time, from Michigan. I'm at the intersection of Fourteen Mile and Evergreen Road in Southfield. As I'm approaching the intersection, the the light is red, but then it turns green. Now I shouldn't have to inform you. Some of you need this instruction. When the light turned green, that means go ahead. Right? The light turned green. However. When the light turned green, I looked off to the right. Now, it was winter wintertime. The, wheel, the windows were up, but I could hear the faint sound of a siren, and I looked off to the right, and I saw the flashing red light of an ambulance that was coming to the intersection. So even though I had a green light, seeing an ambulance approach the intersection, I slowed down, and I came to a stop, and that ambulance passed through the intersection. And just after that ambulance passed through the intersection, as as I was about to put my foot off the brake and on the accelerator, bam, it hit me. And I found myself on the other side of the intersection. Now, if you've ever been in a traffic accident, sometimes you get jolted violently and your senses are a little bit rattled. I wasn't immediately certain what happened. I remember I'm in the driver's seat of the car, I'm, I'm on the other side of the intersection, and I look up, well, when I was hit from behind, the rear-view mirror of the Plymouth Volare popped off and landed in the back seat. <laughs> so I remember just sitting there looking up where the rear-view mirror was and thinking, I can't see behind me. Oh, no, I can't see behind me. Kind of gathered my wits, realized what was going on, and I turned and I looked behind me. You now, we've talked about a Pontiac, that's a General Motors product, talked about a Volare, that's a Chrysler product. Let's bring Ford into the picture. <laughs> On the other side of the intersection was a Ford station wagon. Now, those of you in, under the age of 40 may not remember that's a Brady Bunch mobile. You know, the, uh, <laughs> there's a Ford station wagon, wood sides. And the front end is just crushed up. It folded up like an accordion. I was not hurt. I was able to open the door of the Velare. I ran back, and there are two young ladies in this Ford station wagon. There's a girl slumped over the steering wheel, and she's wailing. She's just wailing. I run over to the passenger side. There's a there's a younger girl sitting next to her, and I managed to to pull the door open. Even the body panel was in the way. I was very physically fit then. And I pulled that I pulled that door open and, and the and the younger girl stepped out. And now this is this is back in the this is way, way back in the dark ages. This is this is I'm getting old, brother. I, I told some young people Sunday I went to, when I went to college I had a Smith Corona typewriter eight-track tapes. You remember those things? Yeah. I cast my first best vote for Ronald Reagan. Wow. I'm old. Anyway, we did not have cell phones. And so I opened that door. This girl stepped out. I said, listen, there's a house right over there. You can see the porch light on. It was night. I said, I want you to run over there. I want you to call 911. I want you to get an ambulance. Your sister's hurt. We need some medical attention here really quick. And the girl was kind of looking at me. I said, listen to me, listen to me, your sister's hurt. You could hear her just screaming, your sister's hurt, you need to get an ambulance, run over there and call 911. She kind of screws up her face and shakes her head and she says, oh, my sister's not hurt, she just knows dad's going to kill her. (laughs) And she wasn't hurt, the car was destroyed but she wasn't hurt. Here's the, the rest of the story apparently as I had stopped at that intersection to let this ambulance pass this Ford station wagon was pretty far behind me but these two girls the younger the younger sister and the older sister who this is free she was blonde just I'm just I'm just throwing that out there (laughs) the older sister who was driving they were arguing about what they were listening to on the radio and so the younger sister she'd reach over she'd She'd push the, 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 the preset button, and then the girl who was driving, she'd, she'd turn the dial. No, oh, she wanted to listen to her favorite rock song, and the sister said, I don't like that group. I want this. And she'd push the button, and the other sister, she'd turn the dial, and they are sitting there fighting about the radio and what they are listening to, but they weren't paying any attention about where they were going and what was happening in front of them, and while they were arguing and fighting about the radio, she drove her station wagon right into the back of my rent Plymouth Volare Now, it's kind of a humorous story as I look back on it now. Nobody was hurt. I say it's a humorous story. It wouldn't have been humorous if somebody had been hurt. It's possible that somebody could have been seriously injured. It's possible somebody could have been killed because this teenage girl was not paying attention. It is vitally important in life that we pay attention. The book of Proverbs chapter 4 talks about paying attention. In verse 20, the scripture says, My son, attend to my words, or pay attention to my words. Pay attention to what I'm saying. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Pay attention. The first message of this meeting if we can lay a groundwork, establish a foundation, I want to encourage you, young people, not just this week, but not just this semester, but for the rest of your life, pay attention. Pay attention. And pay attention to the things that matter most. Yes, pay attention when you're driving, but pay attention to spiritual realities. Pay attention to principles. Pay attention to things that are eternal. Pay attention. Specifically, this passage of Scripture tells us to pay attention, first of all, to our counsel or our advice. This is, under the inspiration of God, a father giving advice to his son. And he says, my son, attend to my words. Sometimes people give us advice. Sometimes the advice isn't good. Sometimes people give us advice, and the advice is very good. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, here in the book of Proverbs, the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We ought to seek godly advice. We ought to seek godly guidance. And God in His providence has provided that for us. While they're not always correct, God in His providence has provided for you parents. A mother, a father, again, their gifts From God, not just to feed you, not just to clothe you, not just to help you with your college tuition, but they are given by God to you, young people, to help guide and govern your life. Pay attention. I have found in my experience that when my parents gave me advice when I was young, 99% of the time, the advice they gave was not only given, driven by godly and good motivations, they were interested in my well-being and they wanted to help me, it was also good, sound, accurate, helpful advice. And when I disregarded what my father said and I disregarded what my mother said, most of the time, nearly all the time, what did I find? I found myself in trouble and I found myself in regret. Pay attention. And I'm going to just add this footnote my, my uh, mother did not know the Lord. My father uh, trusted Christ later on. But just because your parents may not know Christ doesn't mean that they're to be disregarded. The Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother. It doesn't say, Honor thy father and thy mother. As long as your parents are good and godly Christians, it may be you come from a home where your parents aren't godly Christians. Respect your parents. And yes, we need to obey God rather than man. If your parents tell you to do something that is in direct contradiction to Scripture, in direct contradiction to the will of God, we obey God. But listen to your parents. Listen to godly counsel. Listen to your pastor. Listen to spiritual leaders, teachers, and guides that are here at Maranatha University. They are here to do more than just educate you. They are here to be in the will of God to help develop your character and guide your life. Thank the Lord for the influence in my life of godly pastors, godly preachers, godly men and women who helped direct me. I'm a better man for it. Pay attention. Pay attention. But let's quickly move on. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Bible says that bodily exercise profiteth little but godliness is profitable in all things now I as a as a middle-aged man who's not quite the picture of my youthful vigor that I once was I'm tempted to make that my life's verse bodily exercise profiteth little but that wouldn't be fair We do sometimes pay attention to the outer man. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there's there's something right with that. You know what? One of the things I love about a Christian college like that, like this, you will you will learn things from your roommates and from your dormitory supervisors that will bless your heart and make you a better person. I had a roommate when I was in college. He used to wash his feet in the sink where we would brush our teeth. I remember telling him, listen, I do not want to get athlete's mouth. You need to stop that. His personal hygiene practices were a little odd and a little lacking. And we tried to edify him. We tried to teach teach him the way of God more perfectly. But you know, that's not all bad. In an environment like this, you might, you might learn some things about how to groom yourself, how to dress yourself, how to, how to eat with a knife and a fork. Yes, that's a good thing. We pay attention to the outer man, and there's nothing wrong with being healthy. You know, I have, I have a criticism about your dining hall, Brother Marriott. I do. When I was in college, institutional food was universally despised. It was Horrible. I used to get off campus as as much as I could, as frequently as I could for fine dining at the Golden Arches because I I thought that the food on campus was just an abomination. Well, the food on campus here is unbelievable. It's fantastic. I think if I were a college student today, I might weigh 400 pounds. Be careful. Be careful. What did Dr. Oliver preach about? He preached about not eating too much in the dining hall, yeah. But well, we do. We look after the outer man. We get up in the morning. Guys get up in the morning, check in the mirror. You know, I, things have changed. Cultures have, have changed. You know, I see guys wearing wearing beards today, and I, I don't have a problem with a beard. I wear this manly mustache. Yes. You know, during COVID, I didn't have to wear a mask. When you have a manly mustache like this, you didn't need to wear a mask. But uh, but uh, I don't wear a beard because my wife won't let me. But uh, I, I think beards, beards are all right. I like that. But but guys, if you've only got thirteen hairs on the chin, just let it go. Just <laughs> let it go. Tarry at Jerusalem till your beards be grown, okay? <laughs> guys get up in the morning, they look in the mirror, checking out the chin, checking out the muscles, and they do that. Girls, yes they do. But I know girls, they spend time in the mirror too. Now, I, I did not have a sister when I was growing up. And getting married was, to me, an amazing revelation. It really was. Now, my wife, she doesn't, she doesn't overdo it. I think my wife is lovely. She's as beautiful as the day that I married her. Uh, but, uh, you know, w- what's the old saying, if the barn needs painting? Yeah, well, my wife, she didn't need to be painted. She, she's beautiful. But, but you know, I, I learned things. After I got married, I saw things I'd never seen before. I saw this device. It looked like something the Taliban would use to torture people. <laughs> And I'd never seen it before. I'd never heard of it. Girls take these plier things and they grab their eyelashes. Guys, if you don't have a sister, you might know this. They grab their eyelashes. They've got this device and it bends the eyelashes. like that. Makes their eyelashes look thicker and longer. Very strange. They do things to themselves. They check in the mirror and want to make make themselves look right. You know, there's nothing wrong with grooming yourself. And obviously, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be healthy. But God has made everybody a two-part being. God made man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. He became a living being. God made man physical, and God made man spiritual. And yes, it's right and it's appropriate to take care of the physical part, but the outer man, the Bible says, it decays. For the child of God, the inner man, ought to be renewed day by day. And I joke sometimes about the fact that, yes, the outer man is decaying and I'm losing my hair and what I do have turning gray and I wear glasses and I've got a little bit of a paunch, a little bit of a paunch and and so forth. You know, if Jesus tarries, I'm going to grow old, I'm going to grow sick. And if Jesus tarries someday, I'm going to die. The outer man is wearing away. But by the grace of God, the inner man needs to be growing and improving and maturing every single day. And that's what needs attention. What does it say here? Keep your heart with all diligence. The heart here refers not just to your affections, but it refers to the inner man, that spiritual part, the unseen part. It's your personality, it's your values, it's your decision-making capacity. It's a spiritual part of man, and it's the most important part of man, and it's the part that ought to receive the most attention. Pay attention. To your attitudes. Pay attention to your spirit. Pay attention to the decisions that you make. Pay attention to your values and to your principles. Pay attention to your walk with God. Pay attention to your spiritual life. Keep your heart with all diligence. The word keep means to guard. It means to protect. It means to set a sentinel around. We want to set a hedge. We want to set a fence. We want to set a guard post around our heart to protect it and to secure it. Keep your heart with all diligence, above all keeping, more important than any other thing in your life. More important than taking care of your health. More important than taking care of your finances. More important than taking care of anything. Take care of your heart. Because out of it, the Bible says, are the issues of life. From the the spring of your heart, bubbles forth and flows the streams of your life. Your relationships. Your values. Everything you are and everything you do, ultimately, it springs from the heart. And so that's the part that needs attention. That's the part that needs attention. Now, I believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I believe that all those who trust in Christ someday will be raised again incorruptible. But I share often about my testimony and how God saved me when I was a teenage boy. I did not care about the inner man. I did not care about my heart. My grandmother was a wonderful Christian lady and I remember she was was dying of congestive heart failure. I had a sweet aunt who prayed for me and prayed that God would work in my heart, bring me to faith in Christ. My grandmother was a Christian. God answered my aunt's prayers and used my grandmother's testimony to bring me to faith in Christ in part. I went to see her in the hospital. She was dying. And I remember I was very disturbed. I was 15 years old. I don't think I'd ever seen anybody in the condition my grandmother was in at that time. She'd lost a lot of weight. Her skin was an ashen gray. She was struggling to breathe. Her outer man was decaying and deteriorating. And then she began to talk about how she was going to go to heaven. She was going to see my grandfather. She was going to see the Lord and how excited she was. I'm sitting at the foot of her bed in a hospital room. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't feel that way. And when I was 15 years old, I cared about girls and cars and baseball and girls. That's all I cared about. I didn't care about my soul. I didn't care about eternity. I didn't care about anything that really mattered. But baseball matters a little bit, Coach. It matters a little bit. But when my grandmother started talking about eternity, you know what I thought, you know, she is going to heaven, and I'm not. And where my soul goes when I die, it matters. It matters. And in the providence of God, a short time after that, a man gave me a gospel tract and I read it and I trusted Christ who was born again. I began to give attention to the heart. It matters. It may be that there's a student here at Maranatha Baptist University, maybe you're a freshman, maybe you're a senior. And you've come from a Christian home, maybe you graduated from a Christian school, and you've done a good job uh, conforming. But you know, you know that for you yourself, you have never genuinely repented and placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Pay attention. It matters. Don't put this off. Don't overlook it. Don't ignore it. Don't brush it aside. Pay attention. You're a Christian. And you know you've been struggling with thoughts. You've got serious problems right here. Oh, you say the right things. You do the right things. But you know that you've got a serious problem with your thoughts. What does the Bible say? The Bible tells us that God is a discerner of the thoughts, and intents of our heart. It matters what you think. And if you're struggling with your thoughts, and we'll talk more about this this week, by the grace of God, bring captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Because if you struggle with your thoughts, I guarantee eventually you will struggle with your words. Eventually you will struggle with your life because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. If you struggle with your attitudes and you struggle with your thoughts, it will impact your life. So pay attention. Pay attention. Lastly, it says in verse 24 put away from thee a froward or twisted perverse mouth perverse lips put far from thee let thine eyes look right on let thine eyelids look straight before thee ponder the path of thy feet let all the ways be established put away pay attention ponder what you think what you say what you do pay attention sometimes we don't think before we speak and then what we say we shouldn't say man one time said something he shouldn't have said he said an insulting and crude comment he said i don't know why i say that i said that it's not in me and a friend who heard him said if it wasn't in you it wouldn't have come out of you and that's right it comes out because it's in pay attention to what you say let your words always be with grace seasoned with salt Say those things that are edifying, and glorifying to God. Ponder the path of thy feet. Let all thy ways be established. Life's choices are made because of life's values. And life's decisions are directed by our heart. Who you marry. Your career choice. You know, sometimes wrong heart attitudes direct us in the wrong path. I'm not telling you that being a school teacher is better than being a nurse or being a nurse is better than being a businessman. That's not what I'm talking about. There's Christian businessmen, Christian nurses, Christian school teachers. Thank God for all of them. But whatever it is that you choose, make sure that you make life's choices based on godly principles. My goal is to glorify God. My heart is to care for other people. It's not about me. It's not about money. If your motives are right, your decisions will be right. If your heart is right, your life will be right. So pay attention. Pay attention. What a tragedy it would be to have some young person graduate from Meredith Baptist University, find themselves in a life of wreck and ruin and sin because, because years ago, when everything on the outside was right, things on the inside, they were a little askew. Something wasn't right, and it wasn't addressed, and it wasn't dealt with. And heart issues were ignored and overlooked. And wrong choices were made. And your life was redirected out of the will of God. What a tragedy that would be. When I was in seminary... Uh, I got, first I lived with my brother for a while, and then I decided I didn't like living with my brother. I decided I'd get married and live with my wife, much better. I remember why I married my wife. Now, I married my wife because she's sweet, she's wonderful. But I lived with my brother one time, he was gone. I can't cook. I just cannot cook. I remember I went into the kitchen, and I found a box of Cheerios. I ate a bowl of Cheerios. And after eating a bowl of Cheerios, I was still hungry. There, I looked through the kitchen, all I could find was a can of peas, so I heated them up and I ate a can of peas I had Cheerios and peas for dinner and I decided you know it's time to get married yeah so I got married and guys guys this is this is I'm going to step out from behind the pulpit because this is this isn't preaching I'm not preaching now but guys listen find a girl who can cook a chubby hubby is a happy pappy okay that's that's free that's free When I was in seminary, I was married, pay my school bill, take care of my wife. I got a full-time job in a textile mill. And I remember as I went through training, they gave me a master padlock, and I kept it on a loop of my blue jeans. That's odd. Why did you do that? Well, because as we operated this heavy machinery there in the textile mill, they all had power switches, on-off switches. And and on the power switch, there was always a, a metal loop. And when the machine was shut off, we were instructed to take the master padlock, run it through the loop, and lock it. And that way, when the machine was shut off and the lock was there, it was not possible for that machine to be started again. They used to have posters on the wall there in the factory lock it down, lock it down, always remember to lock it down. Well, this was a textile mill. They used to, the, the mill where I worked, they, they wove nylon fabric. They made parachute fabric for the military. They made uh, nylon fabric for construction, different things like that. And so the fibers that they worked with were very thin, very strong, but very thin. And they had different departments. In the prep department, they had these machines where they would have spools of fabric all along the sides of the inside of this, this big machine, and one giant spool, and all the ends of these threads from the small spools would be attached to this giant spool. Then the machine would be closed. You'd turn it turned on and the giant spool would spin and it would pull all of those threads onto the giant spool. Then that giant spool would be taken to the weaving room. One day at our factory, a man was reloading this machine that that brought all those threads onto the giant spool. He had just, just finished his work. had left a piece of Equipment, a tool inside this machine went back to retrieve it for whatever reason when he turned the machine off and went inside to load it he didn't lock it down supervisor passed by the door was open he stuck his head inside the man was crouched in the back retrieving his tool supervisor looked no one there closed the door it wasn't locked down turned it on and that machine moved at such speed all of those threads were like laser beams and razor blades and the poor man trapped inside died it was a horrifying thing I didn't see it but we talked about it it was a horrifying thing that poor man died because he didn't Pay attention. That poor man died because his supervisor, when he glanced inside, didn't give enough attention. They were casual and thoughtless and indifferent, and they didn't pay attention. Now, People, it's important to pay attention. Pay attention to the things of God. Pay attention to your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And young people, if you will pay attention to your heart and pay attention to the Lord Jesus Christ and pay attention to the will of God, I think you'll find that the the issues that flow out of the spring of your life will bring God glory and will bring you great joy. Now, Heavenly Father, thank you for the clear instruction of your word. And I ask, Father, not just for the students, for the faculty, for myself. Help us, O God, to pay attention. Help us to attend to your words. And I pray, God, that in listening to you and applying your principles to our lives and guarding our hearts from sin and temptation by your grace, that we would walk in your will and someday hear our Savior say, well done. Bless these students, we ask in Jesus' name.